They shall come and make known to a people yet unborn the saving deeds that he has done. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's about as unbelievable as stories come. A script that surely any Hollywood executive worth their salt would turn down. A novel that only the fantasy or science fiction editor would choose to publish. A couple in their late 90s conceive and bear a child. Not only that, but they are promised that this will happen by no one less than the Lord God. Now, if you yourself are in your 90s, or you know someone in their 90s, you don't need a preacher to tell you how unimaginable of a scenario we are presented in the story of Abraham and Sarah. But the truly wild thing about the story is not just that God makes this promise or that it happens. The amazing thing is that Abraham and Sarah believe God. Now, there are at least a couple different versions of this story in Genesis, and the way these different versions interact is a little convoluted. We hear this promise multiple times. And to be fair, at at least two different points, both Abraham and Sarah each laugh at God in the face when told this. But ultimately, they do believe that somehow God would make good on this audacious promise to make them the ancestors of countless generations. At one point in the story, the Lord God brings Abraham outside. Look toward heaven and count the stars, he says. So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith inspires so much of the New Testament reflection on God's promises and ultimately on God's promise given in Jesus Christ. We hear St. Paul picking up this theme in his letter to the Romans this morning. It's a key part of the central argument that he makes throughout the letter, that it is faith and not the law that makes one righteous or justified, that puts one right with God. The story of Abraham is most remarkable, Paul suggests, not in that he became the forefather of a great people, though he did, but that he believed that this would be so. You are a true descendant of Abraham, Paul claims, if you believe in the promises of God, regardless of whether you are a physical descendant or not, whether you were born into the law of Moses or not. It's Abraham's faith and not his blood that matters. And so St. Paul and the other New Testament writers will go on to make these extraordinary claims that the divisions of mainly Gentile and Jew, but also male and female, slave and free, crumble away 
in the face of God's promise given to everyone in Jesus Christ. Here's another unbelievable script for the science fiction department. A lethal virus spreads like wildfire throughout the entire world, finding its way into nearly every corner, killing millions, disrupting every human society, and leaving us looking at a second Lent, a second Easter, squirreled away in our homes, cut off from the sacraments, from one another, and from life as we knew it. Is the astounding part of this story that it actually happened? It's infinite tragedies, it's feeling of hollowed out despair, as well as its countless inspiring episodes of resilience and survival. Is that what makes this story unbelievable? Or is the truly wild thing about this story that even in the midst of it, God is making promises. That God's ultimate promise of life in Jesus Christ still resounds in our ears. Even now, still echoes through the world from the faith of Abraham to the call of the prophets, to the revelation of God's love in Jesus Christ, to our lonely, exhausted ears in the year of our Lord 2021, the second year of our exile. Dare we be like Abraham? Dare we believe that even now, even here, God's promise stands. Well, let's admit, if that promise is just some cheap get out of jail free card, if that promise is for an easy life in some bucolic candy land, we might as well throw away the script because that's the one story that no one living in 2021 no one living in 1941, no one living at any moment in human history could possibly believe. You don't need to be a script student of scripture to understand that God's promises do not work that way. You only need to be an observant human being. So if not an easy pass, what are God's promises then? Well, we hear them from Jesus himself in St. Mark's gospel this morning. Then he began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected and be killed and after three days rise again. That is what God promises. Not a garden of delights, but a cross a cross that Jesus himself is not spared from. Friends, the promise of God is nothing more than the way of the cross. And we might not want to hear it. St. Peter and the other disciples surely didn't. But I think we know it. The world we live in is teaching it to us every day. 
We were never promised an escape from suffering, an escape from death. And if some of us had forgotten that because of our privileges or because of our comforts or because we were dealt a good hand or because the church has so often failed to communicate it for all sorts of reasons, well, we've all remembered it now. We've all woken up to the reality that all of life is cruciform in shape, in the shape of a cross. But as if the story couldn't get any more unbelievable, let us not forget what lies at the end of this road, the thing that is least imaginable when we're actually in the middle of all of it. The last and most astounding thing about the way of the cross is that it doesn't end with a cross. The son of man must be rejected and be killed and after three days rise again. The cross does not defeat the promises of God. Death cannot defeat the promises of God. A plague, a war, an inequitable society, a centuries-old system of racism and oppression, a lust for wealth and guns and power, these things cannot and will not defeat the promises of God in Jesus Christ. After three days, the Son of Man will rise again. The Son of Man did rise again. And when we're in the middle of it all, when we're tempted to reject that script because it just seems so unbelievable, let us remember that we are children of Abraham. We are children of faith, faith in the promises of God. Abraham and Sarah weren't perfect. They had their doubts, they laughed at God. But in spite of it all, they hoped against hope, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, that God wasn't done with them yet, that God had not abandoned them. Friends, we are walking the way of the cross, and not just because it's Lent. For the next month, for the next year, may we remember to walk this road always together with the faith of Abraham. Paul even says that that crazy story was written for us. For the early Christians, he was writing to yes. And for us today, you bet. May we be children of Abraham believing, trusting, hoping against hope that the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will see us through this time of our exile, this cross that we are bearing, and that the same God will bring us to the abundant life promised in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.